Hi everyone, Steve Field from the Prime Safety Department. Slightly different look, I have my mask on. I'm here with Susan from the Log Department. And we're gonna take our masks off to speak to you, but you guys, you're very, you notice everything, and you're gonna notice that we are separated by six feet. We're taking our COVID-19 very seriously, even as we make these videos. So we're gonna take the masks off so you can hopefully understand us, uh, but we are following protocol. Today's video is gonna be a little bit different. It's gonna be Susan and I, primarily Susan, talking about the upcoming hours of service changes. These changes are currently scheduled to go into effect on September 29th. I think as it stands now, I'm almost completely confident they will go into effect on that date. I don't see any pending lawsuits or any challenges out there that we see sometimes when the rules change. So I'm thinking it's gonna go into effect on September 29th. Omnitrax has been working hard on making changes to all the programs. So we'll talk about what Omnitrax has done. We're gonna talk about the changes. What's different about the changes this time is really none of them are required. I think the changes are all positive for us. We don't have to use any of the, any of the changes that they're going to give us, but when we do use them, I think they will be helpful for us in certain circumstances. So we'll go through each of, each of the changes with you. Uh, we'll try to answer or anticipate what questions you have, but certainly after you watch the video, if you have questions, get with your, your log advisor, get with Susan in the log department so we can get you, get you a specific answer. We think we understand how the changes are going to work. Sometimes there's last minute interpretations. We've already seen one bit of information from the FMCSA that really wasn't accurate. They've since corrected it. So I think we're on track here, but if there's something that doesn't look right to you, something that we didn't fully explain or something that you just don't understand, and believe me, I've had to read this several times to, to hopefully have a basic understanding of it. So if you, if, if you have a question, let's get with uh, your log advisor so we can get an answer for you. So we're gonna go ahead and get started here. So the first change we're gonna talk about is the short haul exception is what we call it for drivers that stay locally. They've made a couple changes to this, so I'm gonna turn it over to Susan. She's gonna talk about the changes, and what you're gonna see during this short video is a lot of what, when we're speaking, you're gonna be able to see the actual slide, so it'll almost be a voiceover. So Susan, why don't you talk about the short haul exception? Okay, so the short haul exception currently is if you drive within a 100 mile air radius, you start and end at the same place every day, uh, you uh, do not need to do logs. Um, they are extending that to 150 air mile radius, uh, extending the day from 12 hours to 14 hours. Uh, if you no longer meet that exception, uh, you drive past 150 air miles, then you are required to go to a log. If it's less than eight days in a 30 day period, you may do a paper log. If it's more than eight days in a 30-day period, then you have to return to the ELD mandate logs. We really have very few drivers that meet this exception. If we do, we're willing to look at it. You'll keep a time card for your time, but 99.999% of our drivers are required to be on electronic logs. So we're really just telling this to you just so you're aware of it in case you get assigned to something weird that's near your house and you're able to be out and back every day, this may apply. If you think it does, get with your log advisor so we can look at it for you. And one thing I should mention as well is you do have to take a 10 hour break 
uh, between shifts. The second change that we're going to talk about is what we call adverse driving conditions. We've always had this exception or this uh, availability to us, but they have broadened it a little bit. So I'm going to turn it over to Susan again to talk about the changes they've made to the adverse driving condition rule. Okay, yes, the adverse driving rule, uh, currently it extends your 11 hour rule by two hours. Um, the new rule extends your 14 hour rule by two hours as well. And in the past, most of the time when you run into something like an adverse driving condition, it's your 14 that you're running short on. Um, their explanation of this is that it allows you to park for two hours and wait out whatever the adverse condition is and then finish your day. So I think one of the most important things to remember about the adverse driving is it has to be unexpected weather. Driving in winter conditions across the Northwest, that's not unexpected. It doesn't allow you to extend your day. But as Susan pointed out, what they're really trying to do here is give you the opportunity to maybe stop, lay up for a little bit if the conditions are going to pass. Maybe an extremely heavy rainstorm, maybe some temporary high winds, it's difficult to predict exactly what you're going to see every day, but it does give you the opportunity to extend that 14-hour clock by, by two hours. And with everything that we're talking about today, always be sure to make an annotation on your electronic logs. If you're going to appear to extend your 14-hour clock, make sure you put a note in there, adverse weather. I'm going to put my safety hat on for a minute when we're talking about the adverse driving condition exception here. Please, we have come too far to start having accidents in bad weather, in winter driving. You guys did fantastic last winter. It was our best winter ever. And I think one of the big reasons for it was you made the tough choices to shut down when the weather was bad. You know, this is from my heart, this is from Robert Lowe, that if you don't feel the conditions are safe, please find a safe place to park, contact your fleet manager so he can get with sales and let the customer know. I don't want you to take this adverse driving exception to, to think that it's okay, I guess I need to keep driving when the weather's bad. Nothing has changed about giving you total control over when you shut the truck down. Everybody has different experience levels out there, different com comfort levels. If you feel it's unsafe, or you feel 20 miles up the road is going to be unsafe, that's even better. That's the time to go ahead and shut down and let your fleet manager know. This adverse weather driving exception, we can use it when it's appropriate, but please don't use it or don't think of it as us trying to twist your arm into driving when the weather's bad. That is your decision to make. And I just wanted to make sure that was clear. The next change, and I think this is probably the biggest one that we've talked about so far, it's a change to the 30 minute break. We've had that requirement now for, for several years, probably time gets away from me, but probably five, seven years we've had that requirement to take a 30 minute break. But I think they really have listened and they've made some significant changes to it. So I'm gonna to turn to Susan here to talk about the changes to the still mandatory 30 minute break, which comes after eight hours of driving. Susan? Okay, so currently the 30 minute rest break applies to the on-duty time. As soon as you start your day, that eight-hour rest break clock is running and you have to take a 30-minute rest break. It has to be an off-duty or sleeper. 
the new regulation states that it applies to the 11 hour clock so it's only going to apply to the amount of time you're driving so uh, eight hours of consecutive driving you will be required to stop for 30 minutes the 30 minutes now includes on-duty time off-duty time sleeper birth time personal conveyance and yard movement so anything that's not a drive line will reset that 30 minute clock it has to be 30 consecutive minutes not broken up so it does allow you to fuel on duty and then maybe go inside the truck stop and get something to eat use the facilities um, pc to a parking spot all of that will count towards your 30 minute break and it only is impacting the 11 hour clock now remember you still have to log your on-duty time so if you're at a customer checking in please remember to log the on-duty time for that it will count towards your 30-minute break uh, fueling make sure you're logging that a roadside inspection make sure you're logging the time spent with a dot officer but it will count towards resetting that eight-hour rest break if it's 30 minutes or a combination of on-duty and off-duty so I think this change is pretty significant for a couple of reasons. One, that eight hour clock now is just driving time, not from when you start your day, eight hours later you have to take a 30 minute break, but after eight hours of driving, which makes a lot more sense. And the other change that I like is that you can use any duty status to get that 30 minute break. As Susan said, any non-driving duty status counts towards that 30 consecutive minutes off. But please, let's make sure we're still logging appropriate line four time. The good thing now is that line four time can count towards our 30 minute break. Okay, we saved the hardest for last, split sleeper birth. This has always been a challenge on paper logs. People were doing everything, probably wasn't right. At least with electronic logs, we know the calculation is right, but it's sometimes hard to understand what it's doing but there have been a couple significant changes with the split sleeper birth. So I'm gonna have Susan talk about it. We may go back and forth a little bit, but this is something the trucking industry has been asking for to get more flexibility in the split sleeper birth. We did not get back to five and five. We didn't get there, but at least we got to seven and three. So that's a little different. And also neither of the breaks will count towards your 14 hour clock. That's a little different than the old rule where the shorter break would still count against your 14 hour clock. So trust me, this stuff is complicated. The Omnitrax, the Qualcomm, it does calculate it for you. And they're gonna to try to make some changes in the program where it can kind of project for you what's going on with the split sleeper birth. So Susan and I are gonna talk about it, but I think if you're gonna have questions or confusion, this is where it's going to be, but we're gonna do our best to explain it. So Susan, go ahead. Okay, so right now we have the eight and two split break. Eight has to be in the sleeper berth, the other break has to be a minimum of two hours. The new regulation states that in addition to that, you can also split with a seven hour sleeper berth break. The rule is the uh, sleeper berth break has to be a minimum of seven, and the other break has to be a minimum of two hours, but they have to total 10 when added together. So in other words, if you take a seven hour sleeper birth break, your other break would have to be three. If you took a seven and a half hour sleeper birth break, your other break would have to be two and a half. If you took an eight and a half hour sleeper birth break, your other break still has to be two hours because the rule states the smaller break has to be at least two. 
So the sleeper birth break, a minimum of seven, the other break, a minimum of two, but added together, they both have to equal 10. So like the current rule, that big break, in this case, the one that's at least seven, has to be in the sleeper birth. You take that off duty, it's not going to work, correct? Correct, if you go to PC or off duty, that interrupts that seven hours of consecutive sleeper birth and it will not work. And the short break, that can be, it could be off duty, it could be sleeper birth, I guess it could be PC as it could well. Be PC as well. As long as when it's all said and done, it's number one, at least two hours, and number two, when you add that to the sleeper birth, you get at least 10 total hours between the two breaks. That is correct. And the important part is neither of those qualifying breaks counts against your 14 now. So before the two hour break always counted against your 14, now it does not. Um, Omnitrax has put in their release notes that there will be a pair with sleeper uh, box to check in the status tab where you'll basically let it know that you're setting yourself up for an eight and two or seven and three split. And it's going to have what they refer to as an optimistic clock that will let you know when you need to stop for the second part of the break. So the way I take it, that little box to check is, for example, if you get stopped at a roadside inspection, you could technically be over your hours, but with your intent is to split it, which is going to bring you back into compliance. Correct. And that will be there for the officer to see that that's what your intention is. Pretty complicated to split it, sleeper birth. It is complicated. That's probably one of the biggest questions that we get on a daily basis is, can I do an eight-hour sleeper birth break? Why didn't I get it? Um, and there's something else we maybe should talk about now too, is they've already started to download the firmware upgrade to MCP 200s, and we've run into a little situation where because this is a future thing uh, going into effect on September 29th, it uh, in some instances is not pairing the eight and the two together on MCP 200s who have received the firmware upgrade. If that is the case, please contact us. We do have an open case with Omnitrax. They're diligently working on getting this resolved. But in the meantime, you know, we can assist you to make sure that uh, if you do get pulled into a way station, that you've got the correct information to let the officer know that it is a firmware issue with Omnitrax that they are working on to correct. So in a nutshell, those are the changes that are gonna take effect this September 29th. It's gonna take all of us working together. Susan and her crew have been going through the rules, making sure they understand them. She mentioned the one issue we're having. We're in constant contact with Omnitrax about that. I suspect there may be some other hiccups as we transition. But at the end of the day, these are good changes for us, for drivers, because they do give you a little bit more flexibility. And there was a little saying here, a little quote that I want to read you. We'll have it so you can read it to yourself on the video. But it says uh, what the purpose of these changes are that they're giving you flexibility and the flexibilities are intended to allow drivers to shift driving and work time to alleviate impacts of certain variables and to take breaks without penalty. Maybe giving you a little bit more opportunity to lay up when traffic is heavy, lay up when there's some bad weather that's going to pass through the area, just to give you a little bit more control of your day. Not as much as we would like for you to have, but 
we all have to live within the rules. So this is a step in the right direction. And, and what the key here is, I think for us as an industry is with these changes implemented, if we can continue to stay safe, not only as a company, but as an industry, I think that will open the door to some more future changes to give drivers some flexibility. Flexibility is the key with the hours of service. And really we have a one set of rules for everybody kind of scenario here. So this is a small step, but it is a step towards giving each driver a little bit more control over their day. So I hope that uh, you found this video useful. Uh, I might mention that the log department, I hope you know this, they're available seven days a week for you. We have night coverage that uh, is available for you to answer questions. And we've also started using the app. So maybe I'll throw it back to Susan for a minute, how they can use the app to send a question in, because I see those coming in throughout um, the day. Can you talk about how they can do that? Because then they don't even need to call in. Sure, sure. Uh, you do have the ability to contact us through the Prime app now. Um, those go directly to your log advisor. She will get those messages. She basically determines how she gets them, whether it's an AS400 message, which is our internal uh, computer programming, or whether it comes to her over the Qualcomm or in an email. Um, we have set it up so at five o'clock when night coverage takes over, those messages come to department logs. So basically anybody who's logged into the computer will see any log uh, request or question that comes in through the Prime app. The same with the weekends. At five o'clock on Friday, those messages come to the entire department. So whoever's working that day can address those issues as they come through uh, because maybe your log advisor has the day off or is not covering on a weekend or at night. But we did set it up so we can address those if she's here or not, um, the whole department gets them after five and on the weekends. And do they send those in over the app or is that coming over the Omnitracks? Um, it actually, if you send it um, on the uh, Qualcomm to logs um, or the Prime app, it comes to us either, either way. Okay, great. And also on the Prime app, uh, under my contacts, you will have the direct phone number to the log department, to your road assist person, to your payroll person, to your fleet manager. It's always a good place to find the contact information you need. And so if you need to contact us, please look there and you'll get our direct phone number. So again, I appreciate you taking the time to watch this video. I would recommend that you subscribe to the channel so you always get notifications if you hit the bell icon. If you like it, give it a thumbs up. If you have ideas on future videos, please let us know. I will give you an idea for next week what our intent is. We've had a lot of questions medically related, so we're gonna try to get a half hour or so with Dr. Abraham where he'll be covering some general medical issues and also talking about COVID-19. In addition to the precautions that we take with COVID-19, a lot of you are, are aware that they have again broadened the exception they're making for hours of service for certain deliveries dealing with COVID-19. Some of them we don't have a problem with. The replenishment of medications, of masks, of gloves, of hand sanitizer. We understand why they have the exception there. But they've also included food again if it's for emergency replenishment. So Susan and I are gonna talk about that for a minute because that can get us in trouble if we're on a routine replenishment load and we try to avoid following the hours of service rules. Susan? 
That's correct. Um, so most of our deliveries are going to fall under that routine commercial delivery. Um, the load has to be entirely COVID relief related. It can't be a partial load or with nominal um, impact toward it. And in addition to that, um, if you do feel that your load qualifies as a COVID essential, you'll need to get with your fleet manager. It needs to be documented in the trip information that it is COVID essential. And uh, in addition to um, the hours of service, the other thing that is not really being addressed is you have to take a 10 hour break after delivering a COVID essential load. Uh, before you get another dispatch or before you leave on another load, you have to take that mandatory 10-hour break if you exceeded your hours of service and it was for a COVID essential delivery. I think that point about the 10-hour break is important because we did have some people use the uh, exception previously, but then they weren't taking 10-hour breaks in between loads, which which really presented some challenge. The DOT does look at these. It can be looked at on a roadside inspection. See, what exactly were you hauling that you felt met the requirements for a, for a COVID-19 relief load? We're really better off in the long run staying with the hours of service. We wanna support the nation and we'll continue to do that, but the vast majority of what we're hauling really falls under the hours of service. If you're not sure, you can get with Susan, get with your fleet manager, we can look at what the bills say, and we'll make a decision there. But we don't want you to be written up on a roadside inspection and if an officer disagrees and says, why are apples COVID related or something like that. Uh, we're just better to stay with the hours of service rules. Absolutely. Uh, I think each, each one of us as we've gone along has hoped, well, this is gonna be the end of COVID-19, but it just seems that the end is not anywhere close right now. So we've gotta stay diligent with our social distancing, our hand washing, using the hand sanitizer. We make those checks when we come into the yard, wearing the mask, and, and that's gonna be with us for a while. So we've taken a lot of the questions that people have had and we'll hopefully be able to present those to Dr. Abraham next week and make that uh, our video. I do want to end with this. You men and women, you're putting up some fantastic numbers this year as a company from a safety perspective. Our CSA scores are greatly improved, particularly the most important one, our crash basic. Our crash basic is now down to 30. And the way that works, I guess scores go from zero to 100, uh, but 100 is the worst, zero would be the best. For us to be at a 30, I think is fantastic. That is the that is a, a new record for us, and I just appreciate all the hard work that you've done to get us this far. We've seen 2020 thus far be a very good year for us safety-wise, and we've talked about why that's so important. Uh, wrecks are very important. They're detrimental to a driver's career, uh, and it's just important that we stay safe. So thank you for everything that you've done this year. Continue to be safe, and one way or another, we will talk to you again next week. Thank you.